The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. That 12 people gathered together in a living room, devoting themselves to a particular mission. And we wanted to to, uh, hone all of our gifts, all of our talents, and devote all of ourselves to really helping people trust and treasure Jesus for life. And so will you say that with me? Because that is our mission. We want to do what? We want to help people trust and treasure Jesus for life. By the grace of God, that's our mission. That's our hope. That's what we desire more than anything else is to help people trust and treasure Jesus for life. And I'll tell you, when we first started with that small group uh, in that living room, I'll tell you what, we didn't have what you think you would, we would need in order to start a great church. But I'll tell you what we did have is we had the Word of God. We had the Holy Spirit, and we had each other. And we knew that if we just simply devoted ourselves to the call of Christ upon us, that God would do amazing things. And let me just tell you something, friend. We're just getting started. Everyone look at somebody else and say, hey, we're just getting started. Look at your other side and say, hey, we're just getting started. I hope you know that we are just getting started. Devoted to taking incredible risks for Christ. I hope you've walked in here today and said, you know what? I, I need to be challenged for the sake of Christ. Because we don't want to just simply start a church. We wanted to start a different kind of church. A sold out, bet the farm, whatever it takes Jesus following, everything forsaking kind of church. Are you with me on that? All right, check out this video. In the 11 years that I've been attending LifePoint, I've seen God do a lot of different things in my life. I've seen him really grow me and challenging me to step outside my comfort zone, whether that was missions trips, leading youth group, or even preaching in in that youth group. During my time at LifePoint, I've really seen uh, the church challenge me and encourage me to step out and trust and grow my faith in him. Yeah, LifePoint, I mean, it's family. You guys are interwoven into our story beyond belief. Um, but I really mean it when I say family. Like, again, the people that you cry with, the people that you celebrate with. To me, like, when you have people walking with you, I mean, that that is God. You know, like, He's there for all of those intimate moments. He's there for all of the, the celebrations and all of the heartache. And it's been wonderful. I came to LifePoint in 2013, and I had no idea where it would take me, but uh, oh my, it's been a journey. It has. Um, I guess the the biggest impact on on my life is that I learned through LifePoint what a relationship with Jesus is, and um, I just had no idea what that was until coming to this this place and, um, and learning to build that relationship with the Lord through prayer and through scripture and through community is definitely what I have, um, what I've learned. And 
since coming to LifePoint, I have definitely found that I am off of the hamster wheel of happiness and on this tree of life that is rooted in truth and uh, love and joy and it's just um, a life that is so different uh, when uh, from the life that I was living before and um, it's just trusting the Lord with the life that he has given me um, has has taught me like what true joy is even in uh, the trials and the suffering and because all of that is real um, it's just different when uh, you know who Jesus is and the truth that uh, we stand on Having a relationship with God out of obligation or, you know, because your friends are Christians or your parents are Christians, but because you yourself feel it in your heart that you want to have a relationship with God. I mean, why would you not? He literally sacrificed himself so that you can be freed from all your sins. Like, without LifePoint Church, um, I can't say that I ever was moved, um, you know, until I got here. And that is one thing that God has done in my life, my church. Thank you. Hi, my name is Craig. And I'm Kim. And, and we're the Carlton's. We've been members of LifePoint for about a year or so now, and we've really enjoyed the worship and the preaching and the community that we've experienced. It's just been great. Being a part of a military family, we have been members of many churches, but this is one of the first times that I've actually felt at home. The sisters here are extremely encouraging. I've been impacted by the, the fitness ministry, um, encouraging me to on how I'm supposed to look at my temple. And most of all, above all of that, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached to all on every Sunday morning.
Can we just give a shout of praise for what God has done through us in this place? At this time, the kids can go ahead and be dismissed to their classrooms. I know they got some amazing things going on back there. And so I started, I started counting and thinking back and, and realized that, that we've taken over a dozen uh, foreign missions trips as a church. We've sent over uh, 60 people on foreign missions. We've done uh, local missions where we've sent out over 100 people to uh, minister locally. Uh, we, we've, we've baptized over 100 people since we've been a church. Uh, and so those are people that have come to faith in Jesus Christ and have gone public with that. Yeah, you can cheer for that. That's great. That's great. I realize that I've also preached over 500 sermons, 500 messages, every sermon pleading with God, pleading with the Holy Spirit to preach a message better than I had prepared, asking God to allow us to see him in his word, through the scripture, that, that, that we would be compelled to, to turn from our sin and trust Jesus by faith. That we would be, that would be compelled by the Spirit to turn away from our idols and treasure Jesus above everything and anything. To lay down all of our selfish ambitions, all of our goals, all of our aspirations, and, and go where Jesus tells us to go and do what Jesus tells us to do. And, and I want to tell you this, because we're just getting started. Amen? We're just getting started. And, and so people ask me all the time, hey, why start another church. I mean, aren't there enough churches around? I mean, you look, I mean, and some places there are churches on every corner and every block. I mean, well, why start another church? Because listen, we didn't just want to simply start a church. We wanted to start a different kind of church. We wanted to start a church that was, that was all about Jesus. And let me tell you something. When I was growing up, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up uh, going to church. I didn't grow up understanding the Bible. I didn't grow up uh, knowing Jesus. And so I didn't grow up in church. Uh, but it wasn't until one weekend, I was about 20 years old, uh, some college friends of mine invited me uh, to a Christian retreat. And, and so I decided to go, and, and it was on that retreat where someone gave me my very first Bible. And, and they, they gave me a Bible, and they gave me a T-shirt. I knew what to do with the T-shirt, but I didn't know what to do with the Bible. All right, and so I just, I just held on to it. But it was that weekend that I opened that book for the very first time. And how many of you know this book is living and active? How many of you know this, this is the word of God? And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it does things to our hearts. It, it, it pierces even the hardest hearts of a young man like myself. Someone who was going his own way, doing his own thing, having his own ambitions. I had my own goals, my own ideas of what life was to be like and how I was going to live it. And the word of God actually pierced through all of that. I remember I took my Bible one morning and I sat down at the base of this giant tree and I started to read. And, I, and I, when I started to read, something inside my heart started to change. I started to read in, in Ephesians 2 how... I was dead in my trespasses and sins, that I, I walked away from God. I, I, I didn't even know God. And, and, and the Bible would tell me that I was an enemy of God. And, and it talked to me how uh, I was dead in my sin, but the great love of God sent Jesus Christ for me. 
It wasn't my love for God that somehow God says, okay, you love me enough, I'll, I'll love you back. It was God's great love for me as while I was dead in my trespasses and sins that he made me alive. That he actually did something in my soul and that, and that the salvation, that God's love and God's grace, it came to me. The salvation was not based on my own works. How many of you thank God for that? That, that I read that it wasn't based on my works or my merit or that or on my effort, but rather that I could be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that weekend, in the middle of my own life's pursuit, trying to earn acceptance from everyone, I found the acceptance from God that I could not earn. I found the grace of God. He came and softened my heart and it was on that day, in the woods, literally all by myself, that I prayed. And let me tell you something, friend, I didn't even know how to pray. I'd never prayed before. But I knew that God was there, and I knew that God wanted to have a relationship with me. And I knew that if I would just simply speak, that he would, he would hear me. And so it was in that moment that I trusted Jesus for the very first time. It was in that moment that I started to treasure Jesus over my own ambitions and aspirations. And to this day, I'm still learning what that means, amen? I'm still growing. I'm still trying to understand the love of Christ for me because it's deeper than anything I could ever imagine. It's wider than I could ever understand. It's higher than any mountain I could ever climb. And it is the love of Jesus that brought me to himself on that day by that tree. And I'll tell you what, I sat down one person, but I stood up differently. I was brand new. It wasn't the same me. Some of you watch that video and you're like, oh, that kid was like 16 when he started the church. <laughs> I became so in love with Jesus. I devoted myself to the word of God. That's all I knew to do. That's how God spoke to me, and that's how he continues to speak to me. And, and I devoted myself to the word of God and sharing the word of God with anyone and everyone. And Jesus radically, completely changed my life. But, but let me tell you what happened. Is as I started growing in my faith, as young as I was, as I started growing in my understanding of the scripture, I started to become a little confused and not confused or, or, or uh, uh, understanding what I was reading, but I was confused at actually what I was witnessing, what I was seeing. And how what I read about Jesus and what I read about the Gospels was actually contrary and different in so many ways than churches and Christians what I was seeing. And so I learned very quickly that you can be in church and not be saved. That thousands and thousands of people simply rise up and go to church on the weekend, but do not know Jesus. And what I learned through my walk of understanding the scripture, I realized that many people uh, called Christians, they like to hide inside the church walls. They like to hide because religion makes them feel good about themselves. Religion likes to make them feel good about their moral behavior. And they were all about really cleaning up their appearance rather than their heart. And I saw this elevation of pride and I saw an elevation of self-righteousness rather than humility. 
Rather than growing in Christ's righteousness, they wanted to put on display of how great they were. And what I saw in the scripture is that Jesus actually cared about the broken. And it seemed that many churches would avoid those who are not like them. Oh, they don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't dress like me. They're not part of what I want to be around. And so I'm reading the scriptures and I'm learning that ministry is messy. Amen? I, I see that in the Bible, but then I also learned that a lot of churches don't like to get messy. They actually like to put on their best and look pretty, and they'd rather hide their sin rather than repent of their sin. And, but I read how Jesus loved sinners, and I read how, how people in the church like to gossip about sinners rather than care for them. And so in the Bible, I see grace, I see love, I see mercy, I see forgiveness, I see power, I see uh, 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 so much of the love of Christ in the scriptures, but what I saw in the world was judgment and condemnation and hypocrisy. And what I saw in the Bible is that every single dot and every single word, and every single sentence, and every single chapter, and every single book, and every single story, and every single message was all about Jesus Christ. The whole thing is about Jesus. It's about how the grace of Jesus is for the broken, how the forgiveness of Jesus is for the sinner, how the cross of Jesus is actually messy, and how the resurrection of Jesus is for the liberated, and the righteousness is only found in Jesus Christ. And I read about the ongoing desperate need for Jesus. But let me tell you what I kept hearing in the church morality and how you need to be a good person and how you need to make yourself acceptable to God. And I heard political talks about the latest social issues nonstop. And I'm thinking the whole time, what about Jesus? What about this book? What about the grace of God? What about God making us acceptable before him through the only acceptable one for him, and that's Jesus Christ? I, I, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. That's what Jesus says. Jesus came for the sinner. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. And so one verse that just really grabbed my soul was John 10.10. Some of you are wondering, why do your church start at 10.10? Because every week I want to be reminded of John 10.10. You probably didn't know that. John 10.10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The, the thief, he's coming in churches, he's coming in homes, he's coming in workplaces, he's coming in schools, he's coming in your life, and what he wants to do is he wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. But let me tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, but I have come so that you might have life. Everyone say life. I've come so that you could have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly and so one of the most common questions is, why start another church? Well, let me tell you, because so many people go to church but never come to know 
the life-transforming, abundant life that is found in Jesus Christ. The lives of people who would just simply go to church. Think of the massive amounts of people that just go to church and how their lives look exactly the same as everyone who doesn't go to church. They just have a different hobby on the weekends. And I was confused because what I read in the scripture is something completely different. I read a a sold out, fully devoted, costing everything, even our lives, count it all as joy. It doesn't matter, I'm following Jesus. So let me tell you something, at LifePoint Church, everything we do revolves around the good news of Jesus, amen? And if you're going to be with us for the next 20, 40, 60, 100 years into eternity until Jesus comes back, then I want to tell you, we're going to be about Jesus Christ. We're going to be about trusting Jesus, treasuring Jesus, following Jesus, and devoting our lives to Jesus. Yeah, you can cheer for that. Amen. And let me tell you, friend, we're just getting started. Jesus saw us in our most desperate time when we could offer God nothing. And Jesus came to us in the middle of our brokenness. And he comes and he lives the perfect life that we could not live. And he died the death that each one of us deserves to die upon the cross Absorbing the wrath of God for us, Jesus took upon himself sin and suffering and shame and guilt so that in him he knew no sin, but he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And hanging on that cross, bruised, beaten, battered, he's crying out for you, Father, forgive them. That's what we're about. Coming to Jesus to find forgiveness. And then Jesus answers his own prayer from the cross when he says, it is finished. Father, forgive them. I'm doing the work, everything that's required for forgiveness, and I'm going to do it right here, right now. I'm doing it. It's finished. He's buried in a tomb, but on the third day he rose. Death could not hold him. He resurrects from the grave. Why? Because he was just getting started. Amen? And so he was doing something, and so he appears to Peter. And let me tell you something about Peter. Peter actually denied Jesus the night before. Denied him verbally, outwardly. And he comes to, Jesus, uh, comes to Peter, and he commissions Peter. He says, do you trust me? Do you treasure me? Do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. Jesus commissions Peter, Jesus commissions the 11, Jesus commissions all of his followers, and today, Jesus commissions us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of grace, repentance in the name of Jesus, and life in the name of Jesus. And Jesus empowers all of his followers with the Holy Spirit to proclaim that great love with boldness. And listen, Just like the few believers that we started with 12 years ago, there was an unbelievable devotion in those who would choose to follow Jesus. In the face of persecution and trial, they literally gave all they had. Scripture says that they devoted their lives to seeing and trusting and treasuring Jesus. And so a new kind of church is a kind of church that's devoted to seeing God move 
through them for the sake of his name. They were just getting started. In Acts chapter two, 42 through 44, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to each other, and they devoted themselves to the mission. God's highest calling for you is not to just go to church. God's highest calling for you is not to simply go to a building one day a week. God's highest calling for you is not to just simply get up and go to some destination and sit and listen, maybe drink some coffee, go home, watch some sports, and then repeat your week. But rather, God's highest calling for you is to be sold out, bet the form, whatever it takes, devoted to following Jesus and to be transformed by the image of Jesus, to trust Jesus and to treasure Jesus in every single aspect of life. Listen to me, friend. This is not a playground where we come to play games. Now, we will play some games today. But this is a battleground where wars are won and lost, on our knees, giving our hearts, giving our lives. This is not a place where we're called to just simply attend, but a family in which we're called to belong. The highest calling for you is not to go to church, but be the church. Everyone say, be the church. church. Working together with Jesus. Listen, not for Jesus. We don't work for Jesus. He doesn't need us. We work with Jesus and we work with each other to help people trust and treasure Jesus for life. And so the people of LifePoint Church are to be different. I'm telling you that because I'm gonna ask you to journey with us. I want you to go with us to a place that maybe you've never experienced, a place spiritually, a place physically, a place where we can go together and this journey, it's, it's can't be filled with uh, uh, consumers, but rather we need contributors. We need each other. We need an army. We need a people. We need a people who are devoted and sold out. If we're going to reach people who don't know Jesus, we need to be willing to do whatever it takes to help them know Jesus. People doing whatever it takes to help people reach people with grace and reach people who are no one is reaching. If we're going to reach people that no one's reaching, we got to do things that no one's doing. Amen. It's a different kind of church. So when you invite people to church, listen, you're not just simply inviting them to come to church. You're inviting them to something different. It's a different kind of church, one that is stable and steadfast on the word of God, pouring their lives out for Jesus Christ. And so while so many simply do church, we wanna be a different kind of church, a church that doesn't exist for ourselves, but rather a kind of church that exists for the world. 12 years ago, I asked those listening not to just simply join a church, but to join a movement. A movement that's gonna require an all-in mentality to become intensely devoted, radically generous, going where Jesus tells us to go, doing what Jesus tells us to do, and know that we are just getting started. Let me give you some insight, and then we're gonna get into Luke 8. The greatest obstacle to more people coming to know and trust Jesus for their life. And the reason the gospel is considered so offensive 
is not because your friends and family feel too guilty to come to Jesus. Jesus deals with guilt. Jesus takes our guilt. Jesus takes our shame. The, the, the biggest barrier to people coming to Christ is not shame. Jesus removes all that because Jesus says, you don't have to be perfect. Actually, you're not, and actually, you're worse than you think you are. But I, I love you. My grace abounds. My love abounds through that, through your worseness, that I would save you. So, so guilt is not an issue. Shame is not the biggest barrier. The call of Jesus to die to self is the biggest obstacle. That's what you face. The call of Jesus to die to self and forsake everything everything that gets in the way of you following, trusting, and treasuring Jesus. Jesus calls us to go on in. And let me tell you something, friends. The majority of people aren't willing. I'd rather go to church. I'd rather just simply do some religious things rather than giving my whole life to Jesus. Let me show you this in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter eight, in verse four, it says, when a great crowd was gathered. So I don't know how many that is. A lot? A great, it's not just a crowd, it's a great crowd. Let me tell you something. We're praying for great crowds. We're praying, we're asking God, we're, we're asking God to use us to draw people, to encourage people, to invite people, to bring people, because Jesus is here, and we, there's great crowds that were gathered. People from town after town after town came to him, and he said this parable. Now look at what he says when the great crowds gather. Jesus tells a story, and he says this. You know, there was a sower and he went out to sow seed. And as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled underfoot. And when the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell along thorns, and the thorns grew up, and then it choked it. And then some fell on good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said, said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. And then he just walks away. I want you to imagine that for a moment. Great crowds. Town, some families, they travel miles and miles on foot. And they come, they're like, oh, I hear Jesus is coming. I hear Jesus is coming this way. Let's, let's get a crowd together. Let's, let's hear. And then they see Jesus like, oh, look, 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 look. There's Jesus. That's Jesus. He's about to give a talk. He's about to say something. It's going to be awesome. Get out your notebooks. Get out your pens. And Jesus, he looks at the crowd of people and he says, listen, uh, one time there was this farmer and he went out and he scattered some seed. And some of the seed fell on the sidewalk, but then it was eaten by birds. And then some of the seed, it fell on rock, but then it withered away. And then some of the seed it fell on thorns and eventually it was choked out and some of the seed actually fell on good so soil and then it produced a great crop. And then Jesus is like, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't.
Can you imagine? Crowds are like, what? Like, is that it? Now, now you're probably asking, like, why, why would Jesus do that? Well, look at what it says. Chapter 8, verse 9. And then, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that. Everyone say, so that. So he's about to tell us the reason why he tells the story like that. He says, I'm telling them the story in a parable so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so even though they hear me, they're not going to really get it. Some say, well, Jesus spoke in parables because they're great stories and they help us understand. Actually, the opposite is true. Jesus says, no, actually, I told them the parable because I didn't, they, they, so they wouldn't understand. You see, Jesus is like, listen, if they wanted to know the truth, they're going to have to follow me. They can't just simply come and hear me talk once a week. They can't just simply show up when it's convenient for them, when they don't have any events or anything else going on or any barbecues or any other birthdays. And so if they could just fit me in their schedule, that would be nice. But listen, I'm going to require more than that. Jesus says, I told them the parable to keep them from thinking that if they just simply come once a week or once a month and listen to a sermon, that somehow that would be enough. Jesus doesn't call us to be casual listeners, but rather devoted followers. So he says this and he's like, good luck. I'm gonna be over here. Our hope for this church, this different kind of church, is not that we would just simply come in and listen to sermons about Jesus but allow the word of Jesus to increase our trust in Jesus and our treasure in Jesus and us following Jesus and going where Jesus tells us to go and doing what Jesus tells us to do. And so after he walked away, his disciples were like, hey, wait up a minute, hold on, I don't understand, I need more. They're devoted to it. Jesus, what's this all about? Can you explain that dirt thing? I don't understand what you're saying. But the rest of the crowd, what did they do? They just went home. They just went home. And they went about their week, waiting for the next convenient time that maybe they can hear a word from Jesus. They, 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 may, have, they may have gotten in the car and was like, wasn't that amazing? Like, wasn't that powerful? They're like, they're like they, they, may, they, may even, they may even gather their friends in the middle of the week and they say, hey, 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 listen, I wrote down what he said. He said, trampled underfoot. What do you think that means? Hmm? They could discuss all day long what they think that means. The crowds went about their life simply hearing but never understanding. But the ones who really wanted to know, they went after Jesus. And the ones who went after Jesus, they asked Jesus. They talked to Jesus. They walked with Jesus. Verse 11. Now the parable is this, Jesus says. He says, the seed is the word of God. Everyone say word of God. 
He says, the seed is the word of God and the ones along the path are those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. That's the key to unlock salvation is simply faith in Jesus Christ. But what happens is the enemy comes and fills it full of lies or takes it away, robs it and says, no, I'm not gonna believe in Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I don't want Jesus. They go on their way. And the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no root. They don't follow me, they just go on their way. They hear it and they're like, oh wow, that was so great. But then they have no root, they believe for a while, and then in the time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell along the thorns, listen to this, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares, everyone say cares, and riches, say riches, and the pleasures of life, say pleasures. So it's choked out by cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. The Bible talks to us about two kinds of hearing. There's the kind of hearing with these, and there's the kind of hearing with this. This is the kind of hearing that is received. It's taken in. It's hold-fasted to. And so the Bible will talk about these hearings. And so let me just tell you what that means. Even though you go to church, it's possible to hear the word and have the enemy come in and take out from your heart so that you will not believe and will not be saved. Others will go to church, they'll hear, hear the word, and then something happens in their life. There's this testing, there's this trial, there's this hard time. And then what happens is you'll start to blame God. God, why did you allow that to happen? God, why did they get sick? God, why is it I lose my job? God, why am I not rich? God, why am I? And you start to blame God and look to God and say, you haven't given me what I think that I deserve. And so what happens is you'll throw in the towel and you'll walk away from God. Sure, you'll listen to sermons, but you know what? They do nothing for me. Then he says others will hear the word, meaning they'll come to church, and they'll say, you know what, I want God. I want God. But then what happens is in a moment of time, you'll just simply turn around and you'll just go on your way. And you'll start to pursue all these worldly desires and you'll be consumed by cares and riches and pleasures of life. And listen, no one would tell you those things are bad. Oh, you should care about that. Oh, you know, having a little, you know, vacation fun, that's, uh, that's fun, that's great, that's awesome. Oh, pleasures in life, you wanna be comfortable, you wanna be nice, you wanna have nice things, you wanna do this and pursue this. Listen, no one will tell you that's bad. But what happens is you say, I want Jesus, but I also want all of these things. And you, when you want all of these things with the same tenacity and devotion that you want Jesus, he says what's gonna happen is one's gonna get choked out. If you desire for me is equal to all your other desires for life, you won't have abundant life. 
because eventually the cares and your pursuit of riches and your pursuit of pleasures of this world will slowly choke out your passion for me and you won't mature. And what happens, what I've seen, is that you'll have just enough of Jesus to be miserable because you'll see the move of God, but you'll never taste it. You'll see what God could possibly do in your life, but you'll never experience it. And so honestly, many people believe they're Christians, but the truth is they're, not, they're, they're just listeners, they're not followers. They're just listeners. So if in your Christian walk, if it only consists of coming once a week or once a month or listening to a sermon, then, then stop calling yourself a follower, call yourself a listener. Be honest, because it confuses the world. Oh, yeah, you say you're a Christian, but all you do is listen. What difference does that make? None. And James actually says you deceive yourself. You cannot live out the powerful purpose of God in your life if you just give him leftovers. LifePoint cannot live out the God-given purpose of his life if we are a room full of listeners and a congregation full of just churchgoers. You cannot help people trust and treasure Jesus if you yourself don't trust and treasure Jesus. See how that works. When people look at your life, do they only equate trusting and treasuring Jesus with going to church? That's the question. Going to church is easy. And some of you don't even do that well. Jewish people, they went to church way more than you. They were devoted to church attendance like nobody's business. But let me else tell you what else they, they understood is they didn't see Jesus. They missed him. They were so devoted to whatever they thought made them look good or feel good or be good and chase the pleasures of religion, which is another uh, way we miss Jesus, and they miss the author and the giver of life. God's purpose for your life is to be a follower, a disciple maker, living a life that, that makes a difference in the community that lives to proclaim the grace and the gospel. And so many people are deceived into thinking that they're followers and they just simply live under a Snapchat version of Christianity and they just take it when they can get it and then just go on their way. Maybe it's time for a new kind of church, amen? Maybe it's time for a new movement. Now, I don't get a lot of amens because you're like, I'm asking you to go all in. Like, I can't even, I can't even, I mean, I can't devote that. Don't you see my schedule? Don't you know what I got going on? I can't go all in right now. I'm doing all these other things right now. A new kind of church that defines abundant life according to the Bible. And so listen, you can either go to church and feel good about yourself, or you can go to Jesus and find abundant life. That's your choice. One will last an afternoon, one will last for eternity. That's the good news of Jesus. Listen, it's not that you don't love God. It's not that you don't want God. I know you love God, right? Right? Yeah, I, I love God. Jesus says the problem is not that your love for God isn't enough. He says your love for everything else is just too great. Just like the rich young ruler. Matthew 16, 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
that's a different kind of church. And we're just getting started. As the band comes, today, would you be willing to ask the Holy Spirit to make your life fertile, to allow you to hear with the ears of your heart? Today, would you be willing to stand before God and let the word of God sink in and say, Lord, where am I? Have I received the seed in my heart? Am I, am I following you? Am I trusting you? Am I treasuring you? Am I going where you've called me to go? Am I doing what you called me to do? Or, do, or am I just simply doing this thing as a hobby? Because I truly believe the only way to overcome and have an abundant life and a, have a, a victory over sin and victory over temptation and victory over trials and victory over tribulations is that you have to first count the cost of what it means to truly follow Jesus. And so I'm asking you to lay down everything and join us. I'm asking you to together as we follow Jesus with all of our hearts to, to just simply say, hey, listen, this church, it's just getting started and it's a different kind of church. And so there's three things that I'm gonna ask you to devote yourself to over the next year as we journey together through our devotion to Jesus. Three devotions. Number one is praise. Would you devote yourself to praising the name of Jesus in every circumstance? Would you be willing to lift him up despite whatever's going around around you, whatever's going around in your home, in your, in your heart? Lord, would you be willing to say, listen, my emotions take second seat to Jesus Christ because he's worthy and he's the same yesterday and he's the same today and he's the same forever and he is good and he is about my good and he gives me grace and he gives me mercy and they're new every single morning. And so would you be willing to every moment of every day be about praising Jesus, worshiping Jesus, filling yourself with the words of Jesus to repent and to obey and to trust Jesus and then repeat that cycle? That's what we're called to do and that's what praise is. And so I'm not gonna ask you to just simply come and sing songs. I'm not gonna ask you to simply just, you know, read the Bible every once in a while. I'm gonna ask you to devote your life all in, bet the farm, whatever it takes, to praising Jesus every moment of every day. It's gonna take us going all in. The second thing is devoted to prayer in the name of Jesus. I'm gonna encourage you that for the next year to, not, to just come early, to don't rush out, to be present, to allow someone in the family to pray for you and with you Maybe be used by the Holy Spirit to pray with somebody else during the service or during the week. That you would devote yourself to praying in the name of Jesus. God has got incredible plans for us, amen? Listen, we're just getting started and we need a foundation of prayer warriors that would say, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm praying for the leaders. I'm praying for the church. I'm praying for future ministers that will come out of this church. I'm praying for those who would be sent from this church. I'm praying for a different kind of church and I'm praying for a move of God upon us. And the third thing is to devote yourself to proclaiming the name of Jesus to our world. We're looking to move forward radically with reaching people for Jesus Christ. We're looking for property, we're looking for land, we're looking for a place to grow, we're looking for a place to reach the community. We wanna be used and we wanna take every single resource that God has entrusted with for the proclamation of the name of Jesus. 
And so every penny, every dollar, every breath, every moment, every second that God has given us, we want to use that to proclaim his name. And let me tell you something, church. It's going to require total devotion to Jesus Christ. This is not the kind of church that just says, oh, just raise your hand, just come down for it, just pray a prayer. Listen, it's total, count the cost, follow Jesus to see Jesus. And if you're all in, then you're with us. And if you're not, then you're not. But I'm gonna pray that God would saturate your heart and show you that life is only in his name. I'm gonna pray that we would be devoted to Jesus, laying down our idols of comfort, laying down our idols of self, and going after Jesus full-fledged. Are you with me? Are you with me? If you're with me, why don't you stand to your feet right now? We're gonna praise, we're gonna pray, we're gonna continue to draw near to Jesus because he changes everything. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, over your people. I pray over our lives. I pray over this family. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fill us with the power of your spirit to forsake everything and anything that would get in the way of knowing you. God, the pleasures of life, God, may you be the pleasure that we're after. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And so God, let us see you. Let us trust you. Let us treasure you above any pleasure of this life. God, I pray that we would see you over the cares and over the riches of this world. God, you make us rich because we're a child of God. That we're children that are chasing after you. And that your kingdom has no end. Our kingdom on this earth will one day end. But you, oh God, remain forever. And so in the name of Jesus, I pray right now that we wouldn't simply be a church but we're a different kind of church. A church that is radical for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that you would turn lives around in such a way that we would praise you, we would pray to you, and we would proclaim you. That that would be our testimony that overcomes all things in this world. You are the Lamb of God and you take away the sins of the world. And it is by your grace through faith that we are saved. And so right now, I'm gonna ask you, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never counted the cost and surrendered to him, maybe I'm not asking you if you've gone to church, I'm not even asking you if you've ever prayed a prayer, but I'm asking you if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus to do that right now. You may not know how to pray, just call out to him. Just speak from your heart and tell him, I'm a sinner, I need salvation, I need you to change me and radically move me for the name of Jesus. If you need prayer, we've got prayer partners in the back, but I'm asking you right now to raise your hands and raise your voices and raise your hearts and raise your lives and say, Lord, whatever it takes, I want my life to point to Jesus everywhere in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.